Welcome to Mastering Your Financial Life, hosted by Judy Heft, the founder and CEO of Judith Heft & Associates, financial and lifestyle concierge. This year, she's celebrating 27 years in business. In every episode, Judy interviews professionals who help others successfully manage their financial lives. You can find this show on YouTube, LinkedIn, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and more. Judy is the author of two books, How to Be Smart, Successful, and Organized with Your Money for a Better Today and Tomorrow, and her latest book, Mastering Your Financial Life Cycles, How to Successfully Manage Money in Every Decade of Life. You can read chapters of her books and catch prior episodes of the show at www.judithheft.com. Now, here's the host of Mastering Your Financial Life, Judy Heft. Hi, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to episode 59. That's 5-9 of Mastering Your Financial Life. And today I'm really excited to be here with my friend Dan Weiss. Dan is a, an insurance and retirement strategist with over 25 years of experience in the financial services industry. So I know that he's going to have a lot of really interesting things to take to handle, to talk to us about. And he handles uh, life, long-term care and disability. So he's really the expert on all those topics. But welcome, Dan. Thanks for joining me today. Good morning, Judy. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to share some thoughts and ideas on, on the insurance world these days. Oh, great. Thank you. Let's try to make that exciting and interesting because people <laughs> hear insurance and they go, you know, but you <laughs> think about, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll have to demystify it for them. So, you know, I think that Life insurance, people don't think necessarily that life insurance is an important piece of your financial planning, for your retirement plan, of your estate plan. So, you know, how can that evolve and how does it change with your strategy and how do you work with people about it? Absolutely. Thanks. Um, so, you know, with life insurance, I, I like to position myself as a risk management strategist when it comes to the financial planning process. You know, where is there risk along the 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 trajectory of, of your financial planning that you have, whether you're young, uh, approaching retirement or in retirement. And, and life insurance is something that should evolve with you over that time frame. It's not something that I find more often than not people do one type of policy and never revisit it. And, and, and it just kind of sits there in, in their strong box and gains dust and they forget all about it. But you know, life insurance is certainly something that should evolve with you as you go through life. Uh, there's lots of life-changing events that can happen along the way when you get married, when you buy your first home, have kids, if you take on new debt with a larger mortgage, uh, maybe get a new job where your income has increased significantly. Uh, unfortunately, even if there's a divorce uh, or as you enter in retirement, those are all life events that you should maybe take a step back and talk to your trusted advisor and review what you have in place and talk about, is there enough coverage? Is there right coverage? And you know, make sure that what you had put in place back whenever you did it is, is certainly something still viable at this point in time, whether it be term insurance or some type of permanent coverage that takes advantage of the tax laws that can create almost like a Roth IRA alternative for tax-free distributions down the road. So, uh, you know, it certainly is something that is worth reviewing, just like you would do with your financial plan every year and, and your asset allocation models with your investments. You should certainly take a, a pause each year 
to look at your life insurance policies and make sure that they're still continuing to do what they're they were made out to do as well as is there something else that's come along that might make more sense at this point in time yeah that's such helpful information dan because i know that sometimes like a young couple they might be having their first child and they maybe they're just going to buy like a, a term insurance policy because they want something to be in place and then they'll yeah. forget about it for the next 15 or 20 years and then all of a sudden they're redoing or they're looking at their estate plan and they realize they have this old policy what can they do about that yeah so i i get that quite a bit where especially in the last few years where there was a lot of people that moved uh, into their first home or first condo during the COVID timeframe, they wanted to get out of their apartment. So a lot of people were taking on mortgage, mortgages, taking advantage of the low interest rate environment. And, you know, really the thing to think about is if something, God forbid, happened to you, uh, what does their family need to be able to continue to live their lifestyle? So what people tend to not understand is that you can add on additional coverage. So maybe you bought a policy when you were you know young, first starting off, and you had a a 20 year or 30 year term policy and it was for x amount now you're making three or four times as much money um, and now you have the home now you have the kids you can always layer on more coverage insurance is evolving the the actuarial tables keep improving so in a lot of cases we're able to get people more coverage for less um, and and certainly make it a more affordable and make it more appropriate coverage for what their their needs are today versus where they were back then yeah it's so important to be aware of that and understand you know what i just Things have changed in the last 10, 15, 20 years. I need to look at everything. And I think, like we said before, people forget about their insurance. So what kind of wealth transfer strategies are you seeing? Like, how do people handle that? Well, so it's interesting right now that we're working with a lot of people when it comes to estate planning, whether it's a federal exposure or a state exposure, depending on where they live. So we've been talking a lot about um, planning with, the, with estate planning attorneys um, but some of the wealth transfer strategies that I've been using and talking about recently um, have come out of the that's been uh, there was one in 2019 and then the 2.0 came out recently. And it's affected some of the distribution strategies that people used to have with their retirement planning. And one of the things that people tend to forget is when you start taking distributions from your retirement plan, whether it's an IRA, 401k, 403b, whatever retirement plan that you have it's taxable at whatever your current income, income tax bracket is at that point in time. Typically, it used to be that you would be in a lower tax bracket in retirement, and I don't think that that's necessarily the case anymore. So it's a great distribution vehicle for taking money out for retirement income, but a lot of people have been in the fortunate situation where they don't need those retirement assets. They've been fortunate enough with their home being worth more, their business being worth more, their stock portfolios being worth more. And this is typically the last avenue of where they're taking distributions from. So because it's it's taxable. So what ends up happening is they have these large amounts that are going to ultimately go on to the next generation. And with these new Secure Act rules, you have to take distributions over the next 10 years when you inherit that instead of spreading it out over your lifetime. So it becomes a inefficient wealth transfer vehicle. So I talked to people about perhaps taking the opportunity to start taking the distributions earlier. And I jokingly say to people, you're never younger and healthier you are when it comes to life insurance than you are today. So let's start taking distributions now and ultimately replace the value of what that IRA or retirement plan and use that as a more tax efficient transfer to the next generation. Uh, I've seen people that are gonna inherit sizable IRAs and it's gonna be cut almost in half with taxes, not to mention that it would also be included in their estate. So whether it's retirement assets, annuities that they don't need, uh, anything that would be taxable to the next generation, we talk about that. 
And in some cases also, uh, it's nice to maybe have some money going to the next generation. A lot of people that I talk to, they say, well, I want my kids or grandkids to get X, whatever that might be. Well, why don't care that and guarantee it with an insurance? All that, you know, putting together a permission slip for you that in retirement, you can spend whatever you want to spend in retirement from your wealth because you know that the kids are going to be taken care of down the road. Well, that's good to know. That's important. So can you like explain the difference for our listeners and probably for me too, a little bit about what's the difference between whole life and term insurance? So a whole life and term insurance. So there are two in very high level, two term, two types of insurance policies that are out there. There are term insurance and permanent insurance. Term insurance is exactly what it sounds like. It's, it's a policy that will cover you for a stated period of time, whether it be 10, 20, 30 years, and it's like renting an apartment or rent or leasing a car. It covers you for that time. And then at the end of the term, it goes away. There's no value unless you needed it. And it's priced accordingly uh, that the insurance company is betting that they'll never have to pay those out. A permanent policy, there are various forms of that from a universal life policy to an index universal life policy to a variable life policy to a whole life policy. And really the main difference between all those types of policies is how the equity or cash value inside those policies starts to build. And it's no different than investments that you can do. It can be done on a very conservative fixed income level to a very aggressive variable uh, type. And it depends on how old someone might be, what their risk tolerance might be. Uh, but a whole life policy is something that is very conservative, steady growth. Um, there's dividends typically, whether it's a, a New York life, mass mutual, Northwestern mutual life. Um, to some of the more flexible policies that are out there where there are universal life policies that the cash value can grow. So the main difference between the, the permanent and the term is that the permanent builds equity that you could potentially use down the road for tax-favored distributions from down the road. Oh, that's really helpful. I, I think a lot of people don't really know the difference between that, and they think, though, the term is so much more or less expensive. Let me just go for that. But then at the end, then there's nothing there. And the yeah. whole life is more of an investment vehicle. And yeah, no one gets to the end of their term and says, well, thank God I don't have insurance anymore. They, you know, It certainly makes sense. What I do with a lot of people is I talk about doing a blended approach and get maybe 80% of their coverage through term insurance and then do blend in some permanent coverage so that they have that when they're younger and it starts to build equity over time that they can utilize in retirement. Oh, that's great. So let's take a little break now and then we're going to come back and I want to talk a little bit about long-term care insurance. That's right. an important topic. Thanks, Dan. Hey there. I just want to tell you a little bit about my new book that just came out called Mastering Your Financial Life Cycles. And here it is. It's how to successfully manage your money in every decade of life. I co-authored this with my CFO, Liz Levy, and together we created this manual that's going to help you through every stage of life. We talk about having a baby. We talk about young adulthood, pre-retirement, what to do when you're at that age of retirement. If you're contemplating divorce, do you need an estate plan? We cover all of these, each subject in a different chapter. And I really think that you're going to find this so helpful because at the end of every chapter, we have checklists that you can look at and you can use and they can be a guide for you. So this is a wonderful manual that we've created. It's available on Amazon. You can also find it on our website at judithhepp.com slash book. And we're here for you. If you need anything, reach out. I hope you enjoy the book. Here's another picture of it, just so you know what's going on. Here it is. And I'm really proud of it. It's my second book. And I'd love to have you uh, read it and give me your feedback.
Judy Heft, judithheft.com, financial and lifestyle concierge, celebrating 26 years in business. And over the years, I've learned so much. And what I've been trying to do is impart a little bit of this knowledge to you so I can help all of you become as financially organized as I am. And we're back. We're back with Dan Weiss. Dan, so Dan, are you, um, I want to talk about long-term care too, because I think long-term care is so important. You know, when I got divorced, as a, um, was this going to be a single woman, a single mom at the time, I thought, you know what, I think I should get some long-term care insurance. Who's going to take care of me? I don't want to have that burden on my children. So, you know, what are some of the benefits of having long-term care? I know that I have certain I have some really high net worth uh, clients that are self-insuring, but you know, conversely on that side, I had a very high net worth client who used his long-term care insurance because he didn't want to take the money away that his children were going to be inheriting. So I think there's two sides to that story. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So when it comes to long-term care, it's typically something that comes up most of the time when a family member has been uh, having to deal with a family member, a, a parent or a relative going through a long-term care event that did not have insurance, or maybe that did have insurance and they say to themselves, I don't want this to happen to me. So they they reach out to their advisor and talk about you know what kind of solutions that they have. And there's really three choices. You can either impoverish yourself and go on Medicaid, which really no one wants to do. You can be on the other side of the coin and be uh, have the, the wealth to be able to self-insure or somewhere in between, and you can purchase a long-term care to rise. And long-term care has gone through a little bit of an evolution. It used to be that you went out and bought a long-term care policy, and it was put in place. And if you lived to 102 years old, never needed it, it was something that you didn't benefit from. So you had to pay for something that you didn't use, which was okay. I mean, that's fine. You didn't need it. What's happened, though, with long-term care and the industry is that people are living longer and healthier lives and actually living long enough to go on claims. So a lot of the insurance companies, with the way that those policies are built, they have the ability to increase the premiums on those policies. So I've seen anywhere between 25 to 100% premium increases on those policies. And the risk that the insurance companies are bearing on those is they don't know with everyone that owns those, whether or not they're going to go on claim, when they're going to go on claim, and then for how long. So most companies that used to offer those traditional long-term care policies don't offer them anymore. And the industry has migrated over to what are called hybrid policies, where it's really just an insurance policy that allows you, if you need it, to accelerate the death benefit for long-term care needs. It's the same qualifications of the inability to perform activities of daily living. Um, but the benefit to the customer and clients is that it's known from day one I know that my, my coverage is, is there. If I need it for long-term care, it's there for me. If I don't ever use it for long-term care, there's a death benefit that will preserve my nest egg to go to the next generation. Um, plus the way that those are built, the premiums are level policy. So um, you know, it really has changed from a traditional policy to what I would call a hybrid policy that gives you the best of both worlds uh, with a known quantity of what my premium is gonna be for, for the life of the policy. Oh, wow. That's really great information. I had no idea they evolved like that because I know I've had mine for quite some time. And, you know, if I don't use it, which I hope I don't, <laughs> that's why they call it insurance, right? Yeah. So I hope I don't use it. You know, it just goes away. That'll be the end of all the premiums I paid, but it's okay. I'm glad I have it in place. It gives me a little bit of a sense of security. It would have been nice to have that death benefit, but, you know, yeah. 
unfortunately, I bought mine a long time. Or fortunately, whatever way you want to look at it. I bought yeah, mine and, a long I, time. and I review a lot of the older policies. And typically what they allow you to do when they increase the premiums on them is give they give you choice A, B, C, and then other options is you can keep the benefits and features as is, and you can increase the premium, or you can pull back some of the features and keep the pricing down. So in some instances, depending on how old the client might be and what the pool of money is that's available, it may make sense to make those payments higher, or in some cases, it may make sense to keep it as is um, with the benefit lower and maybe fold in a new hybrid policy and have the best of both worlds. Oh, that's really good information because my premiums keep going up every year. <laughs> yes, they do. Paying them, but that's okay. It makes me feel better that I know I'm not going to be a complete burden on my children. They're still going to have to pay for some stuff, I guess, if I run out of money, but you know, that'll be what it'll be. But this is really interesting, Dan. Thank you so much for being a great guest. I, I know I learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners did too. My how, pleasure. Yeah. And how can they find you? Um, so my email address is dwice D -D at americanbusiness.com. My phone number is 914-494-7929. Uh, I am available to talk about strategies, to talk about doing policy reviews. Um, that's what I spend most of my time doing is, is reviewing policy reviews of existing uh, policies that are out there and making sure that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. So either email or phone call, I am happy to return your call and, and talk about strategies. Oh, that's great, Dan. Thank you. And I'm sure they can find you on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn. Too. Yes, absolutely. That's always a good place to find someone can't remember that uh, email address. So that's great. So yeah. thanks for being a great guest today, Dan. I really appreciate having you here. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, Judy. Thank you. Thank you for tuning into Mastering Your Financial Life, hosted by Judy Heft. You can read chapters of her books and catch prior episodes of the show at www.judithheft.com. Thank you for your positive comments and sharing this show with others.